Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's been beat up and battered around, been sent up, and he's been shot down. Here's the man that needs to be handled with care. He's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. Hami. No one has taken your advice, that's for sure. No. All right. So for this episode, we have not one, but two special guests. They're members of the band, The Rose Petals. Their most recent record is called American Grenadine. Please welcome to the podcast, Peter Donovan and Zach Jones. Hello. Hi there. How are we doing, guys? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, too. All right. So you guys, you guys are also like Wayne and myself. You are separated by a huge divide on the continent. So, Zach, you're in where? I am currently in Maine. Okay. And then, Peter, you're where? I'm in Seattle, Washington. Okay. So nice. you're, you're just down the down the road from Wayne there. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne and I should be hanging. <laughs> Absolutely. Should. Should. All right. Um, all right. So let's get to this premise of the, of the podcast. It's fairly simple. We talk about music. But as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question, so we're going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Well, I know I didn't recently. I became 50 a couple of years ago, and it's a rule you have to get a Harley. So I got one, and so now I got to, I had to get a new shirt from my local Harley dealership. I, I bought a used one, but still I had to buy a shirt. Okay. Are you going to be okay with not wrecking this particular motorcycle? I have no promises. I'm not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to do the best I can, but I, there's... The historical evidence would show that probably. Uh, are you getting like writing lessons or anything? Oh like yes, oh yes. I'm okay. going to motorcycle school. Okay, good, good. All right, uh, Peter. How about you? What t-shirt are you wearing? Um, I'm wearing a t-shirt that reads "No Huey question mark No news question mark No thanks exclamation <laughs> point." Uh, okay. Well, we're not going to be doing sports tonight. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Oh, this isn't the uh, the four podcast. <laughs> this is not the four podcast. It is not. Um, I would, and and maybe I'll offend some listeners, but I will be okay if we never do a Huey Lewis in the news episode. I think you've just offended two of your guests. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sorry. 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 All right, Zach. How about you? Or what? Uh, what T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing my Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers 40th anniversary tour t-shirt that I got. uh, I don't know if, obviously, listeners can't see it, but uh, for you guys, here you go. Um, I got this at the Hollywood Bowl at Tom Petty's final concert that he ever played. That's great. That's great. Yeah, one of our our recent guests, I believe, Murray Valeriano, comedian, he he was at that show as well, so... It, it's one of those. It's one of those great regrets that I have. I had an opportunity to see him for that for that tour, and um, my wife is not a huge Tom Petty fan. Like she likes the hits, uh, and we went and saw Eric Church the night before he was supposed to be at in Tampa, and and you know, budgetary wise, we're like, well, we'll just go to Eric and we'll see Tom the next time. Uh-huh. And there was. Not a next time. So, yeah, big bummer, big yeah. bummer, big regret. If she likes All the right. hits, that would have been the tour to see him on because that was the hits tour. Was that just the hits? Yeah. Okay. Um, I saw what was the that. last song he played? 
Uh, the last song you played was American Girl. And actually, uh, Mike yeah. Campbell kind of pooched the uh, guitar solo at the end. <laughs> and I kind of felt bad for him. That, well, for multiple reasons. It, obviously, his best friend died. But um, he'll never get to play that song with Tom Petty again. And he kind of botched, no. botched the ending of it <laughs> the last time so, you played it with him. So I was today's year old when I found out that Ben Montench. Wayne, did you know this? Ben Mont Ben Mont's real name is Benjamin Montgomery Tench, and my <laughs> name is Benjamin Montgomery. So uh, Ben Mont just became my favorite heartbreaker today. So I did not know that. That's uh, that's cool stuff. All right, um, I am wearing my one of my Johnny Cash T-shirts. I don't know how that fits into the Wilburys, but um, yeah. I guess a little uh, bit outlawish. I don't know. Well, the, the highwaymen were Wilbur's, sort of the country Wilburys. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I think adding Johnny Cash to the traveling Wilburys would have been awesome. Agreed. To repl- like to replace Roy for Volume Three. Oh, that that would have worked. That would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we can't we can't re- re- rewrite history. Um, yeah, we can. It won't come true, but we. <laughs> the former president did it all the time. Well, uh, okay, we're not going there. All right, so American Grenadine, uh, debut record from the Rose Petals. You guys are are members of the Rose Petals. Um, to tell me about this record because I I the the one blurb from the 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 bio info that I got from from your PR person was. This came to fruition from a cross-country tour of U.S. presidents' graves. So, I mean, and you can't just leave it at that. There's got to be some stories here of each of these songs. And, um, like, for instance, Military Man, the song Military Man. Who, Who is that about? That one's about Dwight Eisenhower. Okay. The military man himself. Okay. Yeah, I was I was on this weird, I don't know if it was like a quarter-life crisis or a third-life <laughs> crisis where I just decided to go check out a bunch of presidential grave sites, but, um, you know, there's just all these little weird, um, I always think about, like, growing up in elementary school, I don't know if you guys had this, but, like, they would just have, like, all the pictures of all the presidents, like, around the top of the... Oh, Yeah wall of the school and you'd kind of look at it and you'd like you know you'd recognize like Abe Lincoln and George Washington but then there'd just be like you know 30 40 other people up there that you don't really ever hear about um yeah so who's this Taft guy right it's like oh he was just like the fat one you always have like one little tidbit that you know about him (laughs) even though they were like you know in charge of our government for at least four years yeah um so that was just like something that always fascinated me with some of those like lesser known presidents and you know they all have life stories and they all have obviously left their imprint on the country we live in now for better or worse um so that was kind of the thematic uh gotcha seed for the for the record um and yeah i was just driving around looking at all these different sites and um i was writing lyrics as i was traveling and sending the lyrics to elijah ocean who is also in the band not with us right now but he uh he wrote all the music to it so that was kind of how we collaborated on the songs and then um came time to make the record and our first call was our good buddy zach jones we needed a a bass player and a keyboard player and a singer and a friend 
to just ha- just hang with us in the studio for like 10 days and jones was down so there you go there here you we go. are So Chesapeake Leopard is about who? That one is about Dolly Madison, who was James Madison's wife. Okay. During the War of 1812, um, where the British Navy actually landed in Washington, D.C. They ended up setting the White House on fire. Um, Right. But there's a famous story where Dolly was kind of left alone. Almost like 2021. Right, right. Eerily similar. Yeah. but yeah, there's a famous kind of, and, and this is the other thing that kind of interests me about, about a lot of these stories is like they kind of turn into like American folklore a little bit. Like, you know, there's like George Washington and the cherry tree and there's all these little kind of like folk tales yeah. that sort of permeate in with like the Davy Crockett's and the Bigfoot's and the, all that kind of stuff. Um, so one of the one of the tales is that, you know, she was fleeing the White House kind of as the British were were closing in and she... She grabbed a copy of the Declaration of Independence, which at the time was probably pretty important because that wasn't like uploaded to the cloud anywhere. So they <laughs> probably needed to hold on to that. Right. And then um, the other famous thing is like, you know, she had this, there was this big portrait of George Washington that she she couldn't stand to leave to be desecrated by the British. So she grabbed it and stormed out just in time as the, as the, the Redcoats were closing in. So that was gotcha. the inspiration for that one. Okay. All right. Um... That might be my favorite song on the album. Nice. Yeah, I really, I really dug that one. Now I'm gonna have to listen to it with, um, with uh, different ears. Now that I know what it's about, so. Took that 
So, so Zach, how did you, how did you get pulled into this project with with Peter and Elijah? Um, so uh, I have been very good friends with both these guys for a very long time. Uh, Elijah and I go back probably twenty years. Um, okay, and uh, Peter and I almost that far. Um, so, uh, and of course, we've just played music together in a bunch of different capacities. And uh, I play with Elijah a lot in uh, Los Angeles. Um, so I've played on a bunch of his records and, uh, yeah, we're just, uh, kind of always, always doing projects together. So they called me up and we're like, uh, and I knew they'd been working on these songs for a while together. They, you know, that when I'd seen them each, they were kind of talking about them a little bit. Um, so it was nice to get the call and they asked if I'd play bass on it. And, uh, then once we got all the basic tracking done, I ended up, uh, putting all the keyboard parts on it as well. And then doing gotcha. some harmonies as well. So. Yeah. So, so is this considered a side project, or is this considered like, you know, a band? Like, I don't even know if that even makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a band, but I, I like, is this a side project, or is this going to be something that you know you're going to go on another another road trip, Peter, and there's going <laughs> to be another twelve songs written about uh, the 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 next the the next history history that uh, that you explore. Well, that was one of our jokes when we were making the record that the next one would be like prime ministers or something like that. <laughs> um, I mean, we all have kind of our own musical projects. Yeah, Zach Zach puts out music under his name. I'm putting out music under my name. Elijah also does the same. Um, so I guess this is a side project in that regard. Um, and I, I guess it's unclear right now what the future holds. Okay. I'd I'd like to think the three of us would make another record together in some capacity. I, so. I feel like every uh, every project is both a side project and a primary project. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I guess it's where where you're at physically and mentally <laughs> in the moment. But yeah, I, I would love to uh, to do this again. I I had fun making the record, and I hope we get to get out and start playing them live at some point too. It'd be be a blast. So Zach, you you. I'm I'm assuming with you putting stuff out under your your own name, so you sing as well. I do. So I'm so I'm hearing I'm hearing you as part of the the harmonies that are on this record. Uh, any of the like high falsettos you're hearing are on there. <laughs> okay, that's kind of, okay. that's kind of my specialty, I guess. When I'm uh, called to do backing vocals, is <laughs> sing the high part. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, so to who else who else are you working with right now, Zach? Uh, well, the last record that I put out was called Be Nice. Uh, it came out this past December. Um, okay. And uh, there's a, a few other musicians on it, but primarily I, I recorded it and played most of the instruments myself. Um, but there are a handful of, you know, I had a, a couple sax players and a trombone player and uh, a few other people uh, come on board, but uh, Dan Destiny, who uh, recorded the Rose Petals record, mixed the Rose Petals record, uh, he uh, also mixed my album. Um, okay. And uh, I think, actually, I was, uh, I guess we have mastered by different people, but yeah, Dan, Dan is one of my uh, very close collaborators, and he uh, was there with us when we were doing the Rose Petals record as well, so. Very cool, very cool. And Peter, I was looking, you, so you've got a solo record that's coming out in a couple months as well. Yeah, in Octo- end of October. We're actually mastering on Saturday. Very cool. Mixing as we speak, so it's down to the wire, but it's all, it's all happening. <laughs> okay, and, and everything, you guys are, are um, self-producing these, um, 
doing the indie thing? What, uh, how, how are you getting the music out? I've, I've been working with a, a guy who's been engineering and producing my record. Um, but yeah, probably just self-releasing it. Um, okay. Maybe trying to hook up with like a small local label, but nothing, no, no huge plans. Gotcha. Same. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, Wayne, I know you had a opportunity to, 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 to listen to the, the Rose Petals record. Uh, any, any standouts there for you? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely love that record. Um, uh, the Gentleman Farmer, um, The Man Who Sold Hats, They Say You Loved a Good Man. Those were, those were my favorites, I think. But I, all in all, I, I love, uh, there's something, there's a quality that reminds me of all of these different really cool uh, bands and artists. I mean, I got a strong REM vibe, some Jayhawks. There's some definitely some Bob Dylan and some Bruce Springsteen, some Tom Petty. I mean, some of the, the Wilburys right right in there. And those you can hear them in the recipe. It's it was a super cool album. Yeah, and I think the first the first song that I listened to from you all before you got um, got your record choice into me was Lemonade Lucy, and so the first thing that I was like, these guys are probably going to pick one of the band records. Oh, interesting. Because it, it I, I got a very band vibe from from that one, and maybe that's not what you're going for, but that's uh, you know, I, I I felt that with the with the the, the harmony stuff. You got three really solid singers coming together for some some really good harmonies. And I'm and Wayne, you already know I'm a sucker for the harmonies, so it's true. Well we we definitely love the band, right, we Jones? Do indeed. <laughs> yeah. And all those I mean REM definitely like we we recorded a lot of twelve string guitar on this. Um, okay. So that's kinda like that Tom Petty, Wilbury's yeah. kind of vibe, R. E. M. vibe. Um but yeah, all those all those influences you mentioned are all definitely pretty close to a Springsteen for sure. Um, I, there's, you know, playing in a band is is great because every member of the band brings their own influences to the table. Um, that's the thing. Like in my own music, you know, lately I've been in my bedroom recording by myself, playing all the instruments. It's like it's only my sensibilities. But once you get three other people in there, you know, you've got everybody's drawing from different places but we all love the same kind of music so uh it's yeah it's really cool it adds a lot of different colors and, and flavors to it yeah tell me tell me about the 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 different dynamics of having a band together because um when you have like for instance i i know elijah elijah does his own own music as well you guys will all you know all have your own ideas how do you how do you check the egos at the front door and then come together for you know the the greater good of the band or 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 do you not do do you feel like the egos help with the uh with the production of the songs um for me anyway it's uh, i know you know Elijah and Peter spent a lot of time writing the songs and uh when i first heard them they were you know, guitar vocal demos, like the songs were there, at least the yeah. forms from beginning to end. So I feel like my contributions are more like, I want to make them happy as the songwriters. Um, so, uh, but of course the reason they ask me to play is because they like what I bring to the table. Um, so it's right. a little bit of like, I will do what I think is appropriate. 
uh, but also be perfectly willing to, you know, if Elijah or Peter says, hey, try this instead, I will go there as well. Peter's being awfully quiet over there. <laughs> I was, I mean, I, I definitely don't think there was any, like, egos involved. Um, I was trying to think back about, like, memories of making the record, and there's not really any, like, specific instances where I remember us, like, working on specific parts or anything like that. Like, I just remember it being really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was actually watching that. I don't know if you guys have seen this, that YouTube documentary on the Wilburys record. It's like 20 minutes on. I have um, not watched it. I, I, meant to, I meant to do more research and didn't. It's pretty awesome. But, yeah. you know, they kind of just hold up in this house for two weeks and made the record. And, you know, half of the documentary is just them like hanging out, singing other songs while they're not working on the record. And it's just like they're all just talking about like how fun it was to make the record and be there. And I, I, I was kind of I just kind of felt it was the same way when we were making our record. I. I feel like everyone, like Joan said, we all have similar sensibilities and we all have kind of like a, a center pool of influences I feel like we can draw from yeah. while still adding our own kind of like unique elements to it. And from my recollection, it was quite smooth of a process, but maybe <laughs> maybe I'm just rose-colored glasses, glasses, glassing it. Same. I recall it being very quick and very easy. And just the inside jokes were flying to the point where uh, by the end of the project, we were just speaking in completely inside jokes. So anybody else who walked in would just be like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, so, yeah, just yeah, lots of laughs and a good time. I got it. All right. Well, well, tell us what record you guys chose to revisit for this episode. <laughs> we chose. Don't, don't everybody speak at once. <laughs> we chose the Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 from, I believe it's, is it 1988? It is 1988, October of, of that year. Um, any other records that you were, that you thought about? I mean, there's probably a million. I mean, sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guess I guess we know how that would have been received. Yeah. This sports for <laughs> perfect world. For <laughs> wet the new one weather. <laughs> I haven't I haven't listened to weather. Is it any good? There are some surprisingly very good songs on it. Uh, they they did not like reinvent the wheel. Okay. They just kind of did what they're good at, and turns out they're still good at it. So okay, all right, yeah, I'm gonna get some hate mail for that comment. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that somebody picked this. Like we've we've already done we've already done um, you know three three Tom Petty episodes. We've done a Dylan episode. Um, we just did a George Harrison episode. Well, I say we, Wayne. We, you got a French mouse in your pocket? Wayne Wayne bowed out of that one because he didn't want to talk about 18 That's songs. That's not true. I was busy. I'm, I'm just, I love to give him grief about that. Um, and, but we haven't done, we haven't done an electric light orchestra one yet. We, we were supposed to do a Roy Orbison record and then the guest bowed out, um, I'm pretty sure that that band broke up, <laughs> uh, which which is why they canceled on us um, because uh, the record that they were supposed to put out never got released. Um, so so I'm glad that you guys you guys picked this. So we were talking before the uh, before the episode started. So Peter, how did you get introduced to the Traveling Wilburys? You want to start, Jones? Probably earlier in your life, you were introduced to 
this record than me, right? He's calling you old, he, I think, he is. Zach. I mean, he yeah. did say, uh, ask specifically Peter, tell us about it, but <laughs> I guess now that you've deferred to me, I'll go on. <laughs> um, uh, I, I've been obsessed with the Beatles uh, since I was like 12 or 13. Um, and okay. so basically just after I ate up all the Beatles records, I moved on to all their solo records and uh, uh, started hearing rumors about this legendary George Harrison teamed up with Tom Petty and all these other guys. And uh, I think as Peter was mentioning before we started recording, those records were out of print for a while. So you'd hear End of the Line or Handle with Care on the radio, but you couldn't find the records anywhere. And uh, eventually I, uh, you know, found some other Beatle friends and some, uh, I, actually it was dads of friends of mine who had the CDs <laughs> or had the records uh, and I was able to. Now he's making us feel really old, Wayne. <laughs> but I was yeah. able to, to uh, get copies of them uh, that way. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in 2007, they reissued them in one collection. So I was able to get fresh fresh copies of both albums. Yeah. 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 I've, I've just been been a huge fan. George. I, I, every Beatle at one point is my favorite Beatle, um, but I have, for some reason, just a very uh, strong uh, love for George Harrison. So I love that he got to do this project and kind of be the be the leader of the band with all the all of these other guys in, involved. Yeah, I would say that uh, George Harrison. My love for George Harrison has evolved over the last two years, where I'm I, I'm I'm pretty sure that he's my favorite Beatle right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Peter, how about for you? When Sorry, did you... I didn't realize that first question was directly directed <laughs> towards me. Yeah, um, so I was in like my early midish twenties, and uh, I was actually get I was in Los Angeles getting ready to move to Portland, where I would then meet Zach. Um, and a friend of mine that I was working with, I had just gotten this new computer, and he had all these CDs, and, he, and I was just like burning everything he had, because I was like, I got to stock up for some music for the road trip. And he had a copy of the first Wilburys record, which, like Joan said, was out of print at the time. Um, so he's like, you definitely got to get a copy of this. Gave me a copy of it. And so the first time I listened to it, I have some pretty vivid memories of it. I was like driving out of LA into like Arizona, and I put it on for the first time and fell in love with it. And then once I met jones who was also equally enthusiastic about the traveling wilburys i i went all in yeah so the origins of this super group um does come from george harrison essentially so he was looking to do a b-side for what i read was a european single that he was going to do i never found out what single it was did did any of you guys find out which one it it's, was uh, this, uh this is love from cloud nine yeah, they oh, mentioned okay. it. Yeah, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't find that. Find that out. Um, this was also kind of an interesting time for them. So eighty seven, eighty eight, when they recorded this, the the supergroup was kind of in various stages of their career. So George had a nice resurgence with his Cloud Nine album. Oh. Um, Roy had kind of fallen off of the radar, though he did do a duet with um katie lang in 1987 for crying which got him a little bit of notice so there was you know he was back into the zeitgeist a little bit um unfortunately the really good resurgence for him would come the following year after he passed away mystery girl um was a hit for him that was released um you know posthumously 
Uh, Petty, though, was coming off of Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, which was not a commercial success. And Dylan, I mean, do we do we want to talk about Dylan's <laughs> mid to late 80s? Is this like Empire Burlesque era? This is Empire Burlesque era, which um, it's I, I re-listened to that last year. It's not it's not a horrible album. I don't hate that record. There's some good I, songs on there. There are some good songs on it, though. I can't listen to the um, tight connection to my heart without thinking of Eddie Murphy's interpretation of buckwheat. Because when Bob does the anybody seen my love, um, it sounds like buckwheat. It sounds like Eddie Murphy's buckwheat, and I just can't get over that. Feet times a mayday. It's totally. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, the album after Empire Burlesque was knocked out loaded. I, I tried to listen to that last year as well. It does have Brownsville Girl, which is a fantastic song, but the rest of the record is not is not great down in the groove came out in 88 um this is how bad it is rolling stone gave a dylan record a two and a half stars wow and when and when rolling stone is trashing you know one of their elder statesmen that they always give you know they're always giving dylan four to five stars they gave that a two and a half stars and I don't know. Has anybody listened to Down in the Groove? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I avoided Bob Dylan's 80s output for so long because people would always tell me it's terrible. And uh but I I mean I, I like a lot of what I've actually what I've heard from then actually now that I've actually got to it. But but Empire, Empire yeah. and Burlesque both have some really good good stuff mm-hmm. on it. Uh, and Oh Mercy is yeah. excellent. Is that that's from the 80s, right? Oh, oh Mercy comes out after Afterwards. this Wilbury's record. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it comes out in 89. So Electric Light Orchestra, so Jeff Lynne's output during the the 80s was kind of mixed as well. Um, But Balance of Power came out in 86. That had Calling America, which was a moderate hit. Um, And then he produces George's Cloud Nine. He then produces Brian Wilson's self-titled in 88. Both of those individuals have a little resurgence because of, of Jeff. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story of how this all I feel like this this gave a resurgence to Petty. Mm-hmm. This was the resurgence that working with Jeff Lynn got him back onto the radar. I don't know if 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 Petty was not part of the Wilburys would I don't know if we would hold him in the the reverence that we do. Well then we also might not have gotten like full moon fever. If he had never worked with Jeff Lynn. Correct. I think we definitely wouldn't have got it. That's probably one of his biggest records, right? Yeah. Yeah. Petties. Yeah. Yeah. And he worked with him on uh, Into the Great Wide Open um, after Full Moon Fever as well. So, um, all right. Let's see if you guys can identify each of the traveling Wilburys. So, which one is Otis? Otis Wilbury. Uh, Is that Roy? That's actually Jeff. Oh boy, man! All right, oh, for one. one of the producers. Yeah. Yes. All right, Nelson Wilbury. Oh, that's George. That's George. All right, uh, Lucky Lucky Wilbury. That's Bob. That's Bob. Uh, Lefty. Oh wait, that's Roy. Is that? Right? That's Roy. Okay. And then and then 
Tom is Charlie T. Wilbury Jr. <laughs> and then there's uh, Jim Keltner is, um, what is he? Buster Sideberry. Sideberry? <laughs> Buster Sideberry? That's, yeah, that's for volume three, right? Because Keltner, or, is, or does Keltner, does he appear on volume one? He is. Uh, I think he's on every track except for Handle With Care. Okay. All right. Even though he's in the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's see. What else do I want to say about the, about uh, about this one? Um, was a commercial success for them. And like I said, I, I feel like this this was a, a nice resurgence for 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 all of them. Um, what else? Oh, here we go. So they were nominated for some Grammys for this. Uh one of one of the the nominations was for album of the year they did not win let's see if you guys can 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 pick which one of these records won all right so this was for 1990 um so i guess they they missed the cut for the end of 88 so it was nominated for 89 so here are the nominations you tell me which one which one wins full moon fever by Mr. Patty. The Raw and the Cooked by the Fine Young Cannibals. <laughs> the End of the Innocence from Don Henley. And Bonnie Raitt's Nick of Time. I'm going to go with Nick Which of Time. Henley. That's my guess. I was going to say Bonnie Raitt, too. It's Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. Bonnie Raitt wins that one. I'm a I don't should have won. I don't, I don't know if I t- agree with that. But I love um, Nick of Time. It's a good album. It's a good album. But if I got to, I if I got to put those side by side with Volume One, I don't know. It's it's that's that's tough. All right. Any anything else that I missed from the 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 production side of things? The Wayne, am I missing anything? No, but you know, I was I was gonna say is uh, I think Jim Keltner makes this a true supergroup because when you look at supergroups, there's always one guy who was in a band that no one ever heard of. Like just for example, Velvet Revolver. It's got three, half of Guns and Roses and the lead singer for Stone Temple Pilots, and then one of Slash's friends. Who's they say what band he's been in, but that band never made a record. So is it is it really? I mean. Is it a supergroup? And then you look at all. I was kind of looking at a list of supergroups on Wikipedia, and there's always one guy who's in a band that you never heard of, with all these other guys. And uh, Jim Keltner is that he he makes it a full band, and he is no obviously no slouch. That guy has played on a ten thousand records, ten thousand really good records. Yeah, I was thinking about that today actually. Like he's obviously not as well known by like regular mainstream people as the other five or maybe the four that aren't Jeff Lynn but like you know in mu- music communities like Jim Keltner is one of the best pop rock drummers in the history of music like he's he should be like the sixth Wilbury yeah <laughs> he really is yeah I was I was I was just filing away some of my CDs and I put away blind faith so kind of that same concept Wayne that you're talking about cuz I'm like oh the super group of Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker and that one other and guy. And then this other guy. This other guy <laughs> that's a friend of uh yeah. Eric Clapton's. What was his name? Rick Rick Gritch? Gretch? See, I don't even yeah, I can't I even I can't yeah. even pronounce his last name. So yeah, I feel bad. Um all right. 
let's let's jump into this. Let's go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one? A perfect ten. Okay, which means our all killer no filler. All killer no filler, which means top song's going to get ten points. Nick's favorite nine points on down to lowest score of one. So let's kick this off with debut single. This is Handle With Care. Situations terrible But baby you're adorable Handle me with care I'm so tired of being lonely I still have some love to give Won't you show me that you really care Everybody's Got somebody to lean on. Put your body next to mine and dream. Lead, lead track. Uh, it, it was a commercial success on the album Rock Tracks chart, hit number two, and uh, was a top, I guess it was a top 50 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, but. Um, Back in the 88, 89 period, I don't know if I wanted to listen to the top 40. I mean, we're talking that's prime NKOTB, Milli Vanilli. <laughs> um, what, what was some of the other stuff? Debbie Gibson, Tiffany. That was that was prime territory for that time period. George Harrison is pretty much the lead lead guy on on the vocals on this one. The he gets Ro- the verses. Roy. I mean, they. Bro- I like the way they broke this up because I, I think my favorite two songs on the album. I think they do a great job of getting most of the most, if not all, of the Wilburys in it in some way. On this one, they get everybody, and George Harrison carries the heavy, does all the heavy lifting with the verses. But then they got Roy Orbison in that pre-chorus, and then that chorus with everybody. And the first time they kind of highlight Dylan a little bit more with Petty. And then on the second time, it's a little more Jeff Lynn, but I thought the way they, they mixed up the vocals in this really gives it that, that a feel of a band of a a bunch of guys that have played together for, for hundreds of years. Yeah. And it's got some cowbell. Jeff Lynn is credited with doing cowbell on this one. All right. Um, I'm looking at score, so Zach, t- tell me, tell me why you love this one. Uh, yeah, I, I gave this one a ten. Um, I, it's just because it's the song that started it all, um, and it makes me so happy every time I hear it on the radio. And uh, as I said, like as a George guy, it, like it makes me proud of him <laughs> that he pulled these guys together <laughs> and uh, led the whole thing. But at the same time, it's like I'll take the verses, but I'm going to make sure everybody else gets a feature. And it's just yeah. great. It's super clever, like the great slide guitar playing. Uh, great chord changes, great lyrics. And I, I love that right out of the gate, he wasn't like, we've got all these legendary players, but we're not going to try to blow minds. We're just going to keep it simple and have fun. And uh, I think yeah. the song was a total success. They knocked it out of the park. Yeah, you already brought up the fun aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, it it, it totally sounds fun. And we'll get, yeah. we'll get to the next song. The next song is a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Peter, how about you? Any any anything on uh, handle with care? I had it as a, as seven. I mean, it's one of my favorite songs on the record for sure. I I agree with everything Joan says. It just starts everything off with a bang, 
Um, the first time I ever heard this song actually was there was a Jenny Lewis record where she did a cover of this with Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie yeah. and Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes, and I believe M. Ward was the fourth one. Um, nice. But I, I had heard it on that record, and that was the first time I had even heard the song um, and fell in love with it that way and then fell in love with it this way too. That's a fantastic cover. Everybody it is very good. Yeah. And it's like it, it embraces all the fun elements of the song in a, in a great way. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because Jenny Lewis is my girlfriend. <laughs> so not just saying that. Wayne, anything? Before we get oh, scores, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's got a it's it's poppy, but it's got this great kind of folky, nostalgic vibe, and then it's got po- possibly the most beautifully understated harmonica that I have ever heard from Bob Dylan at the Fade Out. Usually, his harmonica just blows your doors off, and he at the he just brings it in at the end till the fade out, and it's 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 a gorgeous way to end it. Yeah. All right, this is my eight, Wayne. Nine. All right, Zach, one more time on your score. I give it a 10. All right, and then Peter. Seven. All right. Uh, Next song, Dirty World. Like I mentioned, this one is just fun, especially towards the end where they're like, "He loves your electric dumplings." I don't what yeah, I don't even know that's, what is an uh, electric what? dumpling. That the end. Here's the thing: is I like musically where I I thought it kind of jumped off of the last song and kind of keeps that whole you know this old folk traveling brother band thing together. But I'm not, and I think Bob Dylan did take advantage of not being bob dylan like he he's he's lucky Woolbury, and he gets because some of these lyrics are overtly sexual which sure. is definitely not bob dylan like that's he's much more um he's much more clever with with words than this and so early on that bothers me because it's even it's a bit much and i know it's it's a, it's probably a little post me too but it's also a, a guy who has a mother and two sisters and three daughters and three granddaughters so i i don't know it it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way and then towards the end when i finally start to think maybe i'm being too hard on lucky uh then they go into this it's ridiculous like i get that you're going to throw random phases phrases out to try to end this cuz it's it's a cool idea but they put no effort into this whatsoever it felt like that is true they, uh, the story is that they had a bunch of magazines kicking around in the studio yeah. and George Harrison just handed them, you know, it was like auto mechanic magazines or like people magazines or whatever. And he just handed them out to everybody and told them to like find a line. And that's, yeah, they literally like, put no thought into it at all. I, I feel like four, there's four, three of these guys are probably among the best songwriters ever. I just feel like they could have done better than Big Refrigerator and Red Bell Peppers. Fuel injection? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and you guys know that the original name of the band is listed in the that that ending. So Trembling Wilbury, he loves your Trembling Wilbury. That was originally supposed to be the name of this supergroup, and 
I think the uh, the the record label talked them out of that because <laughs> uh, that actually reminds yeah. me of another fun fact, uh, which is where the the word Wilbury comes ah, from. Yeah, uh, which yes. apparently when Jeff Lynne and George Harrison were working on Cloud Nine, uh, they were having some uh, you know issues with their equipment, but also like any mistakes they made in recordings, they would say Wilbury it in the mix, and Wilbury yep. uh, yeah. yeah, it in the mix. That just turned their into, British accents. Yeah. Uh, mistakes turn into Wilburys, so I, I love it. I love it. All right, um, scores. This is my four. Zach, your score. I gave it a three. Okay, Peter. I gave it a six. I guess I like it better than than the right. than the group. All right, well, Wayne. I gave it a four. Okay. I'm in the same boat as Wayne is uh, when Bob Dylan starts singing about, you know, your sexy body and stuff. I'm just like, eh, makes me shiver a little <laughs> oh, bit. Yeah, you, yeah uh, wax jobs and parking yeah. where the sun don't shine. It just, it's a bit, like I say, I felt like he was stepping, like I'm not Bob Dylan right now, but I just, it just went too yeah. far, I thought. There, there's also on volume three, that song, She's My Baby, there's one line where he says, like, she likes to stick her tongue down my throat. And it's yes. just so gross hearing Bob Dylan sing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess we're the creeps. <laughs> All right, next song is Rattled. And uh, this is more of a this is more of a Jeff Lynne tune, right? Well, I mean, he sings on it, and it's got, to me, the song, it's, it's got a, I like what they were doing. Like, it's a really old, like, old rock and roll song, and I think yeah. they nail it from that aspect. But it's one of, it's, I don't know if I can explain it. It's like just writing an old rock and roll song to write an old rock and roll song. It's like, it's too generic. Like, it never felt, okay. it all, it just sounded repetitive, and it never, it just didn't. I, I say I like it the way it sounds, but it doesn't. At the when it's over, it's fairly forgettable. Well, you were also pretty pretty rough on the Ramones record that we just talked about with the uh, Needles and Pins cover. <laughs> Did Sonny Bono so, write this one too? So I, <laughs> I felt bad. Yeah, yeah. I trashed so, him again. I, so I I get it. I get it. Peter, what do you what do you got on Rattled? Um, I agree. I think. It's probably the song I think about the less or the least. Like I almost forget it's on the record. Um, but I was listening to the record today, and it came on, and I was jamming to it. Like it, it totally slaps, as the kids say. Like it's just a great track. Um, but I, for me, it's just kind of one of the more forgettable ones. So I, I have it lower on my list for that reason. Yeah, Zach, anything? Um, so I also gave the song kind of a low score, but I feel like if I were to rescore these again, it, it might get a higher score. It's just I like all ten of these songs. <laughs> Um, yeah. but it, it, I think it's a lot of fun and it does kind of, uh, encapsulate the, the method that they were using to write songs for this, which is just, let's have fun. We all love old rock and roll. So let's make an old rock and roll song. Uh, and it's got that great, you know, George Harrison's doing the Carl Perkins style guitar playing that he used to do on the old Beatles records. Yeah. So, that, that's definitely the highlight is that Carl Perkins style yeah. guitar solo. Um, and I love it, but I did give it, uh, among my lowest scores <laughs> on air. Yeah, what is your score on that, Zach? Uh, I gave it uh, two. All right. I'm matching your two. Peter? I also gave it a two. Wayne? I, I gave it a three, but it, it okay. could have been a two. 
right. Now I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already regretting a lot of my choices on this score, <laughs> scorecard as I look at it. All good. All right. Next next song is Last Night. more of a more of a petty song correct yeah but i like how the best the best lines uh go to roy orbison <laughs> yeah for sure yeah let him do the punch lines right oh yeah those those are the, yeah those are the high, like i like to say because also the way i when i listen to this this whole story go on switching the voices almost gives it that um because it seems like it's the same person. So when another person sings, it almost gives... Because he's obviously been drinking. And so when you hear the other voice, it's almost like uh, the same person going into a different mood. Like, oh, hey, what's going on here? You know, so it, it gives it this really cool... Uh, it just has a real cool aesthetic to it when you use that second person, but you're it's all coming from the same central character. Yeah. Peter, I'm, I, I have the benefit of seeing scores... Um... This didn't track high for you. Yeah, I mean, like Zach said, I mean, I love all these songs. It's it's kind of, I think they're all killer, no filler, as I said. So it's just something has to be last. And this was the one that in the moment when I made this list, I chose to make last. Um, but there is a there's an interesting story that Tom Petty tells about when they were making this record, how, you know, they would write the songs and then they would all kind of like audition the different vocal parts. And he said George Harrison was sort of like, you know, be the conductor of these auditions and you know he would say like how intimidating it would be for to hear Roy Orbison sing the song and then they'd be like all right Tom like why don't you go give it a shot (laughs) (laughs) and there is some footage in that documentary of him singing the the Roy Orbison part of this song and he you know it's it's out of his range and it doesn't sound that great but you know I think this is a great example of how they used all of their different talents in a way to kind of make a cohesive and an effective song yeah I just bought I just bought the Roy Orbison live at the BBC recordings on CD. Oh my gosh, it's so so fantastic! What a what a what a voice, Zach. What anything else on this before we get scores? Um, kind of in the same boat. I mean, I feel like uh, this song for some reason sort of like uh, rattled gives me that like oh you can tell they just uh, <laughs> you know uh, came up with these kind of on the spot a little bit. Um, but I think Roy Orbison is definitely criminally underused on this record. So when he comes in in moments like this, it's great. You're like, oh, that voice. Um, but overall, uh, also in that documentary, I think there's a moment where they're all sitting around with the acoustics and Bob Dylan starts kind of playing the initial changes in this. And he's like, what about a song like this? Uh, so it's kind of cool that it kind of became a, a Tom Petty feature when it, according to that documentary, anyway, it looks like Bob Dylan kind of started the, uh, the changes, but. Gotcha. All right, Wayne, your score. Um, I gave it a seven. I like the story, and I like the way they gave it that island feel, which kind of gives it this fake this guy on vacation. And I love the way it ends with him in the bar after he just got robbed by this woman, and 
there's something to the way he it's this is the this is the most recent time that this has happened to him but this is not the first time that this has ever happened to that guy <laughs> you can get that from this story like eh, yeah i was just robbed by a prostitute this happens all the time don't whatever i go on vacation yeah love it all right peter your score that's my one all right zach uh i gave it a four okay and i i put this at a six all right, next next song, Not Alone Anymore. Just gushing on Roy. Um, here we go. We can gush all over Roy on, on this one. Um, sung mostly by Roy, written mainly by Jeff Lynn is what I what I what I uh, saw. Even though I think all five members are credited as the songwriters for each of these songs, if I remember correctly. All right. So looking at scores, I'm just going to throw this over to Peter. This is my number ten. You. Um, yeah. So I agree with what Zach said about you know Roy is not very prominent on this record. So when he's when he gets to shine, it's it's very special. And I think that this is just a shining moment for him. And I I remember the first time I was listening to this record, you know, like I kind of knew "Handle Me with Care," and then I kind of worked my way through those other three songs, which are kind of all over the place. Yeah. And then I feel like when I when this song came on, if it really like grounded the record for me in a way that was like pretty powerful and I sort of like felt like I kind of fully understood like what they were doing here and and I mean it's just a great kind of like I know Roy Orbison had another record after this but it's like you know for the for the end of his career and his life for him to just this track is just like an all-time vocal performance in my opinion and I I think it's just a just a gem yeah absolutely Wayne uh what do you got on this one well um I'd like to say, if I have any criticism, it's that there's not enough use of the the rest of the band, so it felt much more like a, a Roy Orbison song, which I, it actually has this kind of, uh, it almost feels like a response to Only the Lonely, which is which I thought was a beautiful touch. And uh, yep. and it, he's just got one of the most recognizable voices of all time. It's just so warm and rich, and and it's it's my score isn't a reflection of how much I like the song as much as I guess I, I wanted... I like hearing them all. I, I think the concept of of this of these group of guys um, and all of I like my favorite songs on this record are when they all kind of divide it out a little bit and everybody gets um, that they I think it works best. This is a absolutely great Roy Orbison song. This should have been on his his upcoming solo record. Um, just a phenomenal song. But if I had if I had to say anything, it's that it, it sounds like a Roy Orbison song with a really good back with some really top notch backup singers in the harmonies. What's your score on this one? Six. All right, Zach. Um, I also gave it a six, and I agree with everything that Wayne said. But at the same time, uh, I also agree with Peter that by the time this song comes, <laughs> when you're here, 
uh, Roy Orbison just kind of oh, take yeah. it the whole way through. It's like I feel like he he deserves it because he's underused yeah. on some of the other songs. But uh, yeah, it could have worked on Mystery Girl as well. Um, but I'm happy they stuck it in the middle of the Wilburys record. Yeah. All right. Uh, we already got Peter's number ten. So this is this is my five. All right. Next song is Congratulations. You finally did succeed. Congratulations for leaving me in need. This morning I looked out my window and found a bluebird singing. All right. So, so Wayne, if you wanted the rest of the band. This is good sequencing, though, right? Oh, this, I, I, I can say this. <laughs> I feel bad because this is boring. This is, this feels <laughs> like there's effortless, and then there's no effort, and this, this feels like it falls into this Ouch. the latter category. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's that's point, and I'll be counterpoint. <laughs> I, the, I gave this my seven. I, I like, I like, I like this song. And I kind of surprised myself because it is dominated by Dylan, which um, looking at my scores, I'm like, I guess I like Dylan more than I think that I like Dylan. <laughs> I, I would say if you're looking at it from a lyrical standpoint, like we do on a lot of episodes, Wayne, there's probably there's not a whole lot lyrically from from for this. This is something that, a Dylan could probably have scrawled in what seven minutes. It's probably lyrically what happened. Yeah, and that's probably <laughs> what happened. Luckily, there's no references to big refrigerators or anything on this on this particular <laughs> Red Bell Peppers. Track. Red Bell Peppers. Yeah. Um, Zach, anything else on on congratulations? Um, I just uh, I love it as far as just sequencing on the record um i think yeah, not alone anymore is just so huge and epic with this big booming voice and then to follow that up with something that's just kind of mellow and uh and then to have a bob dylan following up this huge roy <laughs> right. voice it's like I, I, to me it's one of those things that makes me appreciate you know this or what's special about this record is that you can have a song like congratulations follow a song like you're not alone anymore and it works so let me ask you this, Wayne, since since you're like um you know, going from from one Roy, if let's say this was sung predominantly by Roy, would it would it change anything for you? It 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 possibly could. I I I would have to hear it. But yeah, I mean, it's not that I I I can appreciate Bob Dylan's voice. It's it's recognizable too. I mean, um some like Petty's got a very recognizable voice. When you, you hear Roy Orbison, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, you know who it is. Have you can have your opinions on how much you like it, but you know who it Unless is. Unless Dylan is singing "Tight Connection to the Heart" and then he's buckwheat, <laughs> or if he's singing on Nashville Skyline, or Nashville Skyline, right? Yeah. So, but I can appreciate Dylan. That's his voice, and and I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, it you, it typically fits the songs that he writes. I just this one I feel like not a lot of work was okay. put, put into, the, and it's ten tracks. You really can't skip one. You're gonna need we need ten tracks. And I maybe another day we could have had a something a little. Yeah, I would have Roy sing it. I'll, I would that would probably be awesome. All right, Zach, what's your score? And congratulations. I gave it a five. All right, Peter, your score. 
I gave it a four. All right. And I told you this is my seven. So, um, Wayne, with your one, congratulations. You knocked this out of the top five. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> that wasn't my intention, but I'm not sorry. Congratulations. All right. Uh, heading for the light is next. And I, I threw this out on the on the the socials where I was like, tell me what you know what what you got for favorite favorite tune. A couple people said that their favorite tune was "Heading for the Light." That kind of surprised me because I'm my first couple times listening to this, I was like, eh, it it's okay, and I kind of need to like um, maybe revisit my score on this one because I I gave it a three. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really bad about it. Ah, yeah, you should. I, I mean, okay. Right. Like I say, here's the thing about ELO. I don't in between like '76 and '80, like they were everywhere. Every, they were they were huge, and they combined Absolutely. rock and roll and disco. I listen to it now, and I'm like, what the hell is going? This I don't. It's it doesn't stand up. I will say that. I remember. Loving Xanadu, I loved you know I loved all turn uh, turn to stone, evil woman. I love I loved all that stuff. It it is dated. It doesn't hold up as well. Um, but you can't you can't knock Jeff. But as a time capsule. Oh, you can't knock. Well, first of all, just look at it from the aspect of Jeff Lynne was able to 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 look at you know what was happening in music and and still make a rock record, but yet use some of those influences and double his. His audience. I mean, he brought other people to the party, so it had at the time. It seemed much better than I than it does to me now. But All right. uh, this song, and so this song encapsulates some of that. And I guess my hidden my 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 hidden love for ELO kind of shows in my score. Um, but I think George George Harrison, if you strip some of that big ELO stuff off of it, it would have. It sounds like something that would have fit on cloud nine and it has there is something inside it that is is uniquely uh george harrison and it does have a very uh defiantly optimistic view um that comes across in some great sax work yeah all right zach i'm gonna defer over to you uh, yeah, this is one of my favorites on the record, and uh, I think it just because it is so George centric. Um, I, I like love that this is the song that he was like, "All right, I'm gonna step out and be at the front of this band for this song." And uh, yeah, I feel like it it probably could have fit on Cloud Nine, uh, but at the same time, it has all those awesome backing vocals, and I uh, love that guitar part at the beginning, and uh, love the lyrics. It it all it just works for me all the way through. Gotcha, Peter. Anything on heading for the light before we get scores? Um, I, I mean, I find it. I find the optimism in it kind of refreshing for a George Harrison song, which, which I like about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, re- I really like the song too. I I gave it a five only because I had to give it something, but I like the song a lot. <laughs> All right, uh, Zach, what was your score? I gave it a nine. All right, Wayne, eight. All right, I feel bad for my three. All right. All right, next song is Margarita. 
anyone think that this sounds more like a Jimmy Buffett song than a Bob Dylan song? At parts, at 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 towards the last half of the middle. At the beginning, it reminds me a lot of uh, "Let Let My Love Open Your Door, Open the Door" by Pete Townsend. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It reminds me of something that would be on like the B side of "Band on the Run" or something. Like it reminds me of one of those like goofy Paul McCartney medleys that he would like stick at the tail end of his record. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, Peter, you know, this is all killer, no filler. My my notes here is this is the definition of a filler song to me. <laughs> so bury it in the know. back I, of a record and there you go. It's pretty fun, I think. And I it's still fun. I really like the I like the slide guitar part. I'm guessing is that George Harrison playing that? Um I would assume. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean it, it's a little slight. It's a lot slight actually, to be fair, but it's got some catchy moments, and it's it doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zach, anything on this one? Um, I, I agree that it does feel like the filler track, but at the same time, I I enjoy listening to it. Um, it it has a lot of interesting elements to it, but at the same time, uh, the synthesizer at the beginning of it kind of turns me off. I feel like it doesn't fit the vibe of the rest of the record. But then the slide part's great, yeah. and then there's other parts that are great. But it just feels like parts crammed together and not necessarily a, a through line song so uh it yeah. was uh at the bottom <laughs> bottom of my scoring <laughs> yeah spoiler alert this is our low score um this is my one wayne yeah i i i uh i echo uh, zach's comments it feels like parts there's some of those parts are interesting i i i like that dylan part i'm interested to see where that goes it has this kind of cool darkness to it and then it's gone and it's a completely different song from the synthesizer track that started then they bring the synthesizers back at the end and yeah it, do, it definitely doesn't overstay its welcome but it also never gets going in one singular direction yeah Zach what was your score? I gave it a one alright and then uh, Peter what was your score on this one? I gave it a three alright Any any anything Anything on this as to why this got a higher score for you than last night? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, like Zach said, I think I could order these in any order, depending on when you asked me. I don't know. I mean, I think the oddity of Margarita kind of, like, I find it a little interesting in that um, mm-hmm. regard. Um, maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe I just like that slide part, guitar part so much. <laughs> carrying it through i i love it all right tweeter and the monkey man is next This is um, predominantly a Dylan on here. Um, somebody on Twitter 
indicated that this was a diss on Springsteen. Yeah, I read and that And then too. I start looking at it and the lyrics, and it was like, holy crap, I guess it is. References <laughs> to Jersey Line, State Trooper, Thunder Road, Highway 99. What else? Uh, Mansion on the Hill. Yeah. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff. Yeah, and I think... What was it? Mansion on the Hill? Yeah. And I think that would, and I, I absolutely get, I read the same thing. I read something similar and I, I think that may, it, but what's funny is it doesn't hold up because number one, his cadence is almost identical to the hurricane <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen has never been, I mean, Bruce Springsteen characters are typically true to life characters. I, I think the reference to Vietnam, the Vietnam veteran thing is definitely another, another one of the born in the USA yeah, Springsteen references. So they're, they're, they're in there, but it, it, it almost sounds like he's mocking. He's more likely to be mocking uh, Bob Dylan or Tom Waits than he is Bruce Springsteen, other than the fact that he keeps mentioning Jersey. Yeah. Okay. And I do like this, that Thunder Road is the song that contains the line about uh, Mary's dress waves. Uh, or yeah, the screen door slams, Mary's dress waves, Roy Orbison sings for the lonely. That's that's true. I totally forgot. I guess to misquote a famous commercial from the eighties is what's the beef? Well, I mean, like if Dylan wrote this song, <laughs> does he does he have a beef with Springsteen? Or is he Well, just, other than Springsteen was introduced fun? to him one time as the next Bob Dylan, yeah. the new Bob Dylan, I believe. Uh that happened. But uh yeah, I, I, but I also I like to say I think he took an opportunity to not be Bob Dylan for a second to his best to his the best of his ability, and so maybe he had some he has some axe to grind with uh, Bruce Springsteen and Lucky Lucky Wilbury is the is the is the guy doing it now. It's not Bob Dylan. Yeah, it's Lucky. But I just thought the characters were over the top and 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 like I say I I will say. Uh, Tweeter is clearly transgender, and I thought that was actually handled fairly well for 1988. Yeah, yeah. Zach, what do you got on this one? Um, I feel like it could be interpreted as a diss on Springsteen, or it could be a tribute. Um, I mean, if I was going to write a diss record on somebody, I don't know if I would be able to name drop as many songs by the person right. I was trying to diss right. as he does here. And he really does capture, I feel like, a, a lot of the... The elements of a Springsteen song, even uh, even the names. I mean, Tweeter and the Monkey Man. It's like uh, like they blew up the Chicken Man in Philly last night, or right. the Magic Rat. Like all these things that Springsteen always has. Um, and and I love that it's just like this big long story too. Like I feel like this is the reason we invite Bob Dylan to the to the party is because he can throw together a lyric like this. That's like he's clearly just having fun, but it's also really good. Yeah. Dylan doesn't need to get lyrics from a popular mechanics magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't need that. Peter, what do you got on on, on Twitter and the Monkey Man? Um, Zach and I have actually spent probably way more time talking about whether or not this is a Springsteen diss <laughs> or not um, than anyone probably should. My, my understanding is that Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen are friends as much as anyone is friends with Bob Dylan. Um, so I... I guess I don't really see it as a diss either. Um, I see it more as like a wink, okay. maybe. A gentle, um, gentle. But I, I, yeah, you give your friends a bad time. I mean, I'm not. I don't think there's. It doesn't feel like it has malice in it. I just thought, like, even the but the chicken man is an actual mobster in Philly. So I mean, I I just felt like he went over the top, which I I don't 
I don't dislike. I mean, yeah, I give Ben bad time all the time, and and we are the best of friends. I don't I don't feel there's any malice in it. I just um, so you think <laughs> personally, I hate you, but you know. But Jer- yeah, and he mentions Jersey Girl, which that's actually a Tom Waits song. He could have he could have just as because e- this is the kind of thing t- from my my experiences with Tom Waits. Tom Waits could absolutely write a song like this and use characters like that. He'd bring them to life a little bit, possibly a little bit okay. more vividly. Unfortunately, I can't okay. find any evidence of Bob Dylan ever talking about <laughs> working on the Traveling Wilburys record at all. <laughs> all. All of the interviews you find are all of the rest of them talking about what a great time it was. And, uh, you know, Dylan always showed up when it was time for work, but I can't find him on any promo, ever, like, answering questions about it in interviews, so... Who knows? <laughs> Springsteen inducted Bob Dylan to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, though, right? Yeah. I think you're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe yeah. so. So they, I mean, he must not be mad. Yeah, I, I don't think there's no. any. I, yeah. I don't think there's any hard feelings in it. I think he was, but I do think that it's, it's definitely meant to, uh, like I say, just like your buddies. You you give them a bad time because they're your friends. You you know you don't have any problem with the way they write songs. You just. He's he's Bruce Springsteen. I'm Bob Dylan, or I'm Lucky Wilbur. I get a chance to take a shot at him. I'm gonna do it. That's it. All right. This is my nine. Peter, your score. This is my nine too. This is one of my favorites on the on the album. Yeah, uh, and I surprised myself because again, I gave I gave Dylan songs some really high scores on on this album. Zach, what do you got? Uh, I gave it a seven. All right, Wayne. I only gave it a five. Wow. All right. Um, all right. We're going to wrap up this, uh, this album with End of the Line. Perfect sequencing. You put end of the line as your ending track. That's that. That's that's a nice bow. Um, single pick peaked at number sixty three in the Hot One Hundred, but it was uh, peaked at number two on the album Rock Tracks. Did Did you see who was who who blocked them out of the number one spot on the Rock Tracks chart, Wayne? I did not. I don't even know one of the songs. Van Halen? No. Oh. So, Working On It by Chris Ray. Do you know that song? Who's that? Oh, exactly. And I and the Chris other Ray and driv, driv, Driven Out Ray by Hayden? the Fix also knocked it out of the or kept it out of the 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 number 1 spot, which I love that song. That's a great song, but Yeah, I don't know Chris. I'm going to have to check it out. Um Peter, Zach, either one of you know who that is? No idea. I do not. Yeah, okay. 
Um, there is a music video for this. It was shot after Roy had passed away in December of 88. Uh, nice touch because there's a shot of Roy's guitar sitting in a rocking chair and a photo of him whenever his vocals are, um, are, are being done on the video. Um, I love this song. I'm just going to throw this down. This is my 10. I love this. This gives me all the feels. It's uh, from the sequencing standpoint. I love it. I love that this is your your last track on on this this fantastic record. Um, love everything about it. So there we go. There's that's that's my ten, Wayne. I also gave this a ten. This is my favorite song in here. I don't I don't like the fact I, that you and I are. I I like the way they tied it up with an end of the line reference, but also from a from a song standpoint it has a lot in common with uh handle with care uh george is kind of the the initial driving force that gets it gets it going and then petty does some some more but everybody gets a little bit of shot except what appears to be bob dylan uh and i i just had an (laughs) ass full of him on monkey man so i'm good and uh but i can say end of the line can have a darker connotation and they they really they they remove that and they make it um which when you put it in context of of Roy passing it 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 felt natural and positive and it just has a it just has a great feel and like I say I like the way they mix all of the all of the majority of the Wilburys in there uh, yeah and I think that I love I love every line that they give to Tom as well I I just oh yeah all of his lines it just gives me the goosebumps i love it yeah all right zach what do you got for score and any any additional commentary on this one um i agree with everything that both of you guys have just said um i gave it a number eight and it just for me i think as i was mentioning at the beginning uh when i first kind of like found out that the traveling wolverines were a thing this was the song that i would hear most on classic rock radio and it yeah. felt like such a treat every time it came on because the records were out of print and I didn't know anybody who had them yet. So just I, I would get so excited. And then learning the history, like you said, with Roy Orbison and how they treated that in the video and the fact that it is sort of a positive song dealing with, you know, the end of the line that uh, I think it, it all comes together. It's it's great. Sorry, I didn't know you earlier. I, 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 I would have given you my cassette <laughs> of this. You know, I have it on cassette and on CD. So I... I would have would have lent you would have lent you my cassette. Now trying to find a cassette deck to actually <laughs> play it might have been a, a little bit of a, a issue. But I've got one sitting uh, in front Peter, of me right now. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, Peter, what do you got for a score? Um, I gave it an eight. I've always loved this song too. Um, you know, I think what you guys said about Roy Orbison is very touching. Um, but I also like listening to this song after Tom Petty passed away. Like it hit me in a in a different way also. Yeah. And to your point about the lyrics, I mean, when he says, "Maybe somewhere down the road a ways, you'll think of me and wonder where I am these days." I mean, that to me sounds like Tom, like from Beyond the Grave, just being like, "See y'all. Hope hope I did all right," you know. And which is like such like a Tom Petty thing. So I feel like this song is even better now than it than it was in the past. I mean, it's just. It's it's optimistic, but also nostalgic and powerful, and all all the all the best ways. Yeah, and it and it feels, uh, it it I don't know. I'm looking at the lyrics again, and it and it feels like grandfatherly advice as well. 
you know, where all you have to do is just listen to that song. Like I said, it gives me all the feels. And then you get this this great advice that you're, you're like, yeah, you know what? I probably do need to remember to live and let live. There we go. And I need to, and I need to do my best to forgive. So there we go. I got everybody's scores, right? Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I don't like the <laughs> fact that Wayne and I are agreeing on a top score. Um, all right. Uh, I always ask at the end of uh, track by track, so did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Do we want to do, give any fleeting attention to volume three? <laughs> we can. We can. Um I don't love it. I haven't spent a ton of time with it personally. I don't know. Yeah, I. If you guys have any feel, strong feelings on it, I don't it. Yeah. love it. It, it, it. It's missing Roy Orbison. That's for sure. That that stood out. That I listened to it this week. Uh, it's definitely missing something. It's got a lot more Bob Dylan <laughs> I think than even this record does. <laughs> that's and that and that was that's I think my biggest criticism of that one. I think this one gives me just enough Dylan. Where I'm okay with it, the next the volume three is yeah, it's too, it's too much, Dylan. Um, I still listen to it occasionally. I'll pull it out every every so often and and uh, and 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 listen. But yeah, I don't I don't love it. I I think it's missing it's missing whatever was going on in that room where they all got together for the very first time and created that magic. It just was missing that that magic. So uh, I listen to it a lot, but I also agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, I just feel like whenever yeah. I finish listening to Volume One, I get pumped, and I'm just like, "All right, time to put on Volume 3. So, and then you just get sad. Uh, no, I don't. I don't get sad. I, I enjoy it. It's not as good, but but I enjoy it. I really like uh, even when Tom Petty's just talking about storing his gear in a cool, dry place. I'm into it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it probably speaks to how special this first one is that it really was like yeah. lightning in a bottle. Yeah. They just, you know, there's only only one in a million where they've gotten a record like this yeah. with those five guys. But Inside Out is awesome. Sounds like a Traveling Wilburys song. You know, it sounds like it could have been on volume one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's a couple other songs on that, like New Blue Moon, I feel like is the same thing. Uh, is good enough that it could have fit on volume one. Um, but then there's like the singles, I feel like, are the weakest ones on that, like Wilbury Twist and uh, She's My Baby. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Wilbury Twist is not my favorite on that. Um, yeah, I would say that, that. So maybe I should ask you guys. So, what did you listen to after you listened to this record? I will tell you. Last week, when I when I listened to the CD, um, I immediately went and got Southern Accents from Tom Petty and listened to that afterwards. I ju- it just listening to this song made me want to listen to more Petty. And maybe that's just my sensibilities because I love the man. But um, Wayne, any 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 listens get prompted for you after listening to Volume One? Yeah, I I hadn't listened to Cloud Nine in a long time. Okay. Um, I also I I couldn't listen to any one specific ELO record, but I did uh, let Spotify play some of their bigger hits. Okay. Um, but mostly, yes. The, I'd listened to the to the to volume three. Um, I listened to the Rose Petals, uh, American Grenadine. Then I listened to try to some of the some of the Wilbury stuff. Um, yeah. All right. 
All right. Um, any guesses on number one song? End of the line. End of the line. End, end of the line. Average score of nine. Um, here's here's our top five. So end of the line first. Uh, handle with care. Just missed out a top spot with an average score of eight point five. Um, since Zach Zach gave it his his highest, Wayne, you gave it a nine. Uh, third was Tweeter and the Monkey Man. That was mostly um, Peter and my doing with our nines on that one. Uh, fourth was Not Alone Anymore, um, mostly with Peter's top score on that one. And then um, I tried to tank head in for the light for you guys with my crappy three, but um, that just, just edged last night, mostly because Peter tanked that one out of our top five with his one. I feel great about that list. Those are probably my five favorite songs on the record. Okay. I, f- I feel bad last night's not in there, but it's all good. I can work with that list. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for yeah, having us. This was a blast. Yeah, that was a blast. The, yeah, thanks uh, Thanks so much. Um, so tell us where people can, can find all about the Rose Petals. Uh, the record's up on Spotify. Um, we got some vinyl we're selling on Bandcamp. If you look up the rose petals on Bandcamp. Um, okay. Yeah, wherever else you stream music, it's, it's probably up there. And then, Zach, where, where can they find um, your solo stuff? Um, all of the same places, actually. Uh, so uh, I spell Zach with an H, Z-A-C-H. So Zach Jones Tunes, okay. uh, Tunes is in music, of course. Uh, is pretty much all of my socials and my website and my Bandcamp stores, Zach Jones Tunes, uh, but also just Zach Jones on Spotify or anywhere else you look, you'll you'll find it. But uh, Be Nice is the most recent record. So. Excellent. And then Peter, your solo stuff. Where can people find you? Yeah, um, PeterDonovanMusic.com is my website, um, and I'm putting out my. It's going to be my debut solo record at the end of October, um, and that'll be up on. All the, all the sites, all the spots. Perfect. All right. Last last question that we throw out to all of our guests. So who do you guys know that we don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Uh, Spencer Albee. <laughs> it's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing. Okay. Um, I don't know Spencer. Uh, he and I actually co-host a podcast, and we played music together oh. a lot for a for a long time and still do actually so okay tell tell us uh, about the podcast uh our podcast is called uh sazitu uh s-a-z <laughs> i can't even do it now it's an acronym for <laughs> spencer and zach explore the universe uh so okay. s-a-z-e-t-u uh and uh yeah we we drop an episode every week uh it's kind of a variety whatever we feel like podcast you guys are okay uh much more dialed in uh ours can be not that we're not dialed in but you know we we talk about records one week <laughs> movies the next week yeah. current events the following week whatever is kind of striking our fancy we'll talk about so it's a lot of fun awesome okay well but spencer there you is go. a Got very a nice knowledgeable there. music man i think he would be a, a great on here 
All right. Well, we'll we'll chat offline to get Spencer on here. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Just go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for that. Of course, we're on all the major platforms. Um, go subscribe and rate or review us on, on all of those. Uh, we're active on the socials as well. You can find all of our happenings on the Facebook page. Just go visit Records Revisited Podcast there or on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne has separate content on the Instagram page. Where can they find you there? Uh, Records Revisited Podcast. So that's pretty easy. And then, of course, don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes early. And if you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records with us. And yeah, we're, um, we're, we're, we're starting to record some of those episodes with our guests. So we've got some fun ones coming up. Uh, we've got some Springsteen. We've got some Gaslight Anthem that we're going to be talking about. And uh, nice. Ray LaMontagne for the very first time, Wayne. So I'm um, looking forward to all that. So just go to patreon.com slash records or visit podcast to join on uh, all the fun there. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Now that our favorites are back out there doing the touring thing, make sure you go to a live show and support your favorites. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Make sure you buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Out. 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 See, I was late that time. That was great. <laughs> <laughs>